This is Memoirs of a Recovering Nice Guy, Episode 5. Hello, my name is Drew Swanson, and I am a recovering nice guy. Each episode, I dive into a chapter of the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, by Dr. Robert Glover. I hope to reflect on the information presented, and if you, or someone you know, might be a nice guy, I hope my insights can help you along on your own journey. This week, we finally continue with Chapter 3, Learn to Please Yourself, Part 2. Last episode, I finished off looking at Breaking Free, Activity Number 6, wherein I broke down a moment where I began employing a few of the nice guy tools of the trade. I'd like to start by breaking down some of them in a bit more detail. Hiding the evidence. Whenever a nice guy makes a mistake or has something they see as a flaw, they may employ any number of these tools to draw blame and or attention away. Lying. While many nice guys claim to be honest and trustworthy, they can be seen as liars by definition. It's an application of what they don't know can't hurt me. In many ways, they will employ partial truths and commit lies of omission, as long as it puts them in a good light. Drawing on their account. With all their perceived good acts of caring and giving, nice guys tend to believe that these gestures of goodwill can counteract any negative actions. Its function is not unlike moral self-licensing, where individuals will ignore the plight of others because they've done their part. Fixing. Nice guys tend to not take responsibility for their actions. In many cases, the attempts to rectify the situation are simply by doing whatever they can to make the other person no longer upset. A mature individual would take responsibility and fix the wrong, not distract the wronged. The Deer Response The author has an acronym to sum up a response that I honestly feel like I've employed unconsciously many times. He refers to this as the D-E-E-R, or DEER response. Defend, explain, excuse, rationalize. Each of these behaviors is a fear-based response to being confronted about a failing or mistake by another individual. I often find myself rationalizing things that I'm not even confronted by, just things that I do in general, and I feel the need to rationalize why I've taken certain actions. These are often not negative things, but I still feel the need to rationalize. Turning the tables. The author has another interesting term for an action that a nice guy takes. When confronted with flaws or mistakes, the nice guy will turn the tables by pointing out the other party's own flaws. Dr. Glover calls this shame dumping, effectively shaming the other person to, once again, distract the situation. This can be accomplished in many different ways outside of pointing out others' flaws, including, everyone's favorite, bringing up the past. Walls. In order to protect themselves, nice guys 
build walls so no one can get close. These take many forms that go beyond what one may traditionally identify as a wall. Addictions. Food, sex, TV, alcohol, you name it. All of those can function as an addiction. Therefore, a wall. Additionally, humor, sarcasm, perfectionism, and isolation can also function as walls. It seems that I've gone to the wall buffet, and I've gotten a little bit of each. Teflon men. As a result of employing all these tactics, these nice guys end up doing precisely the opposite of what they hope to accomplish. Putting up these walls and pulling down others effectively cuts off the nice guy from getting what he really wants, love and connection. By keeping their heads firmly affixed to their posterior, nice guys don't realize that being perfect isn't what people are drawn to. The thirst for life, shared interests, and shared problems are things that all bind us together. By hiding oneself, those connections won't stick, as you become what the author names Teflon Men. Working to keep oneself smooth so nothing will stick when it's those very rough edges that allow for connection. So how exactly does a nice guy go about changing the situation? It starts with the self. Instead of external validation, a nice guy needs to seek their own approval. When the nice guy focuses on making themselves happy, they often attract exactly what they're hoping for. The author includes a list of a few actions that one can take. Identifying how you seek approval. Taking good care of yourself. Giving yourself positive affirmations. Spending extended periods of time alone. And revealing yourself to safe people. Well, at the very least, I have that extended alone time, so I guess I should focus on the rest. Breaking Free Activity 7 Consider the following questions. Do you believe that people can see your imperfections and still love you? I do believe that to be the case, to a degree. If your flaw is something as egregious as murder per se, I'm pretty sure that's an acceptable place to cut off the love. How would you be different if you knew the people who care about you would never leave you or stop loving you no matter what? If I knew that, and it was true, I'd probably cry for starters. And it would certainly feel less stressful not worrying about mistakes or forgetting a thing and how that could ruin a connection with someone. Honestly, those are some tough thoughts to reconcile. As a recovering nice guy, the first real step should be figuring out how exactly you seek approval. Perhaps keeping a notepad and pen handy, and just thinking about what you're doing and why. If you clean your kitchen, is it because you wanted to? Or did you do it out of fear of having an unexpected visitor arrive and roast your kitchen? Are you the one who wants your hairstyle? Or are you doing it just to impress others? Keep a record of these, and you'll start to see how much time you spend thinking of external validation. Start asking these questions. What do I want? 
What feels right to me? What would make me happy? Dr. Glover refers back to the story of a man who used attachments as his means of getting value. He had to do the same process and ended up with two whole pages full of actions. After narrowing it down to one item, Dr. Glover had him refrain from doing that one thing for an entire month. The patient's chosen action was keeping his car obsessively clean. For an entire month, he didn't clean the vehicle. And each day, he was worried someone would point out its filth. But after a month, no one had cared. This was a turning point for the patient, because he realized that his actions didn't result in praise or even new friends. In many cases, it seems, the world really doesn't care, so why should you? Breaking free activity number eight. Much like the patient mentioned above, this process can be easily applied to any actions that you may take on a daily basis. If you have your own list of actions, choose one to stop for a set period of time. You can tell others that you're putting a moratorium on the action, but be sure to confide in a safe person if you do slip up. Just be sure to explain why you felt the need to do so. If you notice the time between the posting of the last episode and this one, well, it certainly has been a fair amount of time. I decided to not worry about keeping my car clean, and ultimately, I was never confronted about it or anything of the sort. For a time, I was getting my car washed every other week, but I went a whole month, much like the patient. And now, I clean it every so often, but only for my own peace of mind. The second part of the activity is doing the opposite. Instead of decreasing the behavior, increase it. I can honestly tell you that in itself is just stressful. I did keep my car looking spectacular, aside from the one mismatched rim, but I would clean the vehicle and immediately be met with rain or other weather that would simply mess it up in the end anyway. It's unhealthy to obsess over those sorts of actions. Other people really don't care. I've since been better overall about what I'm doing and why. I keep my apartment clean because it makes my mind feel more clear, and I primarily stand at my desk for my own good not just to look less lazy to others. I know this episode was a bit of a slog and a hell of a long time coming down the pipe, but I hope to get a few more of these out on a more regular basis. Chapter 3 is packed with a lot of detail, and I may have only said two parts, but I'm thinking a trilogy of sorts will be the answer here. So next week, we will come back and continue to look at how you should worry about pleasing yourself by taking care of yourself practicing self-affirmations, seeking alone time, revealing yourself to others, and ultimately, shedding your old skin. I'd also like to remind you that this show is on Substack. So if you head on over to domatic.substack.com, that's D-M-A-T-I-Q substack.com, you can subscribe to the Domatic Dispatch, a publication all about technology, education, mental health, and movies. You can also find me on Twitter at Dematic, and on YouTube, channel name Dematic, and on Twitch, also Dematic, where I sometimes stream Final Fantasy XIV and other neat stuff. Until next time, thank you for listening.
Peace and long life. Live long and podcast.